Hey guys, Riley here, head mixer and owner over at Podigy.co, and this is the latest episode of the Podcasters Podcast. And right now, we're in the middle of sales season. We've just come off Cyber Monday, and soon enough, Boxing Day, for us Canadians, will be upon us and we'll be seeing lots of deals for lots of different digital audio equipment. Now, one place where you're going to see the deepest discounts is in the plug-in market. VSTs, or Virtual Studio Technologies for Windows and Audio Units for Macs are, for the uninitiated, ways third-party developers can create software that run in DAWs, digital audio workstations, allowing expanded capabilities. Now, these run the gamut from EQs and compressors, which we're all familiar with now, to things like synthesizers, delays, reverbs, and all sorts of interesting effects and instruments. However, there's a type of plugin that I keep seeing recommended around the internet that I would strongly encourage podcasters to avoid, and that's boutique plugins. Now, when I say boutique plugins, I mean plugins that generally are emulating analog equipment and charge a premium to cover the research, development, and licensing costs. Oftentimes, they are accompanied by very persuasive marketing that touts the depth and clarity these plugins will add to a mix by authentically modeling hardware used on countless hit records. And to prove this, they will have a celebrated mixing engineer show off the plugin in action in a variety of different scenarios. And you're generally left with an impression that the developers have captured the essence of the original hardware with its two valves and warm harmonics and good vibes from knowing you're recording the same way the Beatles did. And by and large, these plugins do exactly what they say. The teams over at Waves, UAD, Slate, and the like do a great job modeling hardware units and emulating their sound in the world of digital audio. They can command such deep prices because audio mixing is a lucrative business and authentic replicas of famous equipment that cost tens of thousands of dollars is a bargain, comparatively. The reason I don't recommend these plugins for podcasters, however, is that while they emulate equipment very well, they don't meet the needs of most podcasters at all. Now let's dive into some of the reasons why. The first and most important reason why boutique plugins are not made for podcasters is that they're emulators of hardware that oftentimes were designed 30 plus years ago. This means that they are 30 years removed from advances in technology, design, and aesthetics. Take EQs, for example. Nowadays, we're used to having real-time spectrograms of the audio running through our EQ curve and being able to make as many points as necessary to shape the sound and to do it all rather intuitively. You might not know what every parameter is, but there's a visual representation of what it is doing to the audio that adjusts in real time, and you can generally grasp that clicking dragging points up accentuates an area, and dragging them down attenuates it. Three years of trial and error, we've landed on a design that is fairly intuitive, takes advantage of CPU processing. Boutique plugins, on the other hand, are beholden to the control schemes they're emulating, which could date back to as early as the 60s. For EQs, this typically means only five points of articulation, no visual feedback, and very limited curves. For example, you'd never be able to use the EQ curve we have in our guide to podcast editing because it has seven overlapping curves, so you just wouldn't have enough. You'd have to apply two and make sure that each one is doing different things. Big old hassle. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is that boutique plugins are normally not very versatile. Do the nature of podcasting, what with its out-of-sync files, noisy recording environments, mics of questionable integrity, a all, it's good to have easy-to-use Swiss Army Knife plugins that can handle any situation. 
And this is one of the reasons why we decided to recommend Reaper in our guide to editing. All the built-in plugins are made with maximum usability in mind. The GUIs aren't always the prettiest, I'll admit that, but the gates have hysteresis, which we covered last time. Everything has look-ahead functionality, and you can easily replicate most of the functions of boutique plugins without the next thing that I'm going to take issue with, harmonics and noise. See, the main selling point of many of these boutique plugins is the quote-unquote character they impart to audio. This character typically boils down to added harmonic distortion and noise. Now, harmonic distortion is basically enhancement of resonant frequencies and come in two flavors, even and odd. To vastly oversimplify things, even harmonics accentuate octaves of the original sound, giving it sort of like a warmer tone, while odd harmonics accentuate frequencies in between octaves, so maybe a third or then an octave and a fifth, things like that, producing mild amounts of dissonance and thus distortion. All analog equipment imparts some harmonic distortion to the signal passing through it. Some, even harmonics, leaving quite a pleasing sound, while others, odd harmonics, give the signal added sort of sizzle and bite. Most give some secret combination of even and odd harmonics, and boutique plugins model them in a digital form to give audio an analog feel. They also add noise to the signal, characteristic of the noise generated from electrical circuits. However, as I've said time and time again on this podcast, podcasters should always be looking for ways to reduce instances of noise and distortion because they disproportionately affect the high end and thus sound quite bad when you render them out at a low bit rate for podcasts. And again, this isn't a knock on these type of plugins. It's simply that all plugins are tools and boutique plugins are tools that are well-suited for platinum-selling records, things that will be recorded in studios, distributed in lossless CDs, or really high bitrate MP3s. What podcasters need are transparent tools with streamlined controls and intuitive workflows. The biggest complaint that a lot of people have after buying boutique plugins is that they're resource hogs, so something light on the CPU is nice too. And the good news is that people haven't been sleeping on audio design in the last 30 years. From auto-gain to EQ matching to auto-mixing and mastering plugins, I'm looking at you, Lander, and Ozone, the barrier to great-sounding audio is falling all the time. And if you peruse the Gear Sluts forums, you'll find that those mixing to much stricter standards than podcasts, think like television, movies, and radio, almost never use boutique plugins because clarity, ease of use, and consistency trumps warmth in these situations. And it should in your workflow as well. So if you are looking to expand your arsenal this sales season and you already have Reaper, I would suggest looking at the FabFilter line of plugins. They're a company that has really focused on creating easy-to-use plugins that are amazingly flexible and provide all sorts of visual feedback that podcasters can immediately use. They aren't cheap plugins, but even if you just picked up the Pro-Q, their version of an EQ, I guarantee that you'd find a use for it on every podcast that you do. But more than that, maybe take some time to check out the free plugins made for Reaper specifically. There are hundreds, literally hundreds, maybe thousands, probably thousands of JSFX plugins that take advantage of tight integration with the DAW for low CPU usage and speedy rendering times. I use them all the time for sending out a process signal to interviewees so that I sound better on their end. And getting live setups is tricky, but I've also used these because of their low CPU footprint to get Twitch channels to sound much better. 
And while they'll never have the support of big companies behind them, oftentimes the creators are around on forums and such like that and are happy to help you out setting up the plugin or even to make some changes to it to suit your workflow. Um, Tri-Leveler, our favorite compressor unit, is one such free JSFX plugin. I know that it is really fun to say that you're emulating an SSL console on your laptop and tout that each channel has its own distinct characteristics and plugging into input number one is different from 13 in a sonically characteristic way that no one on podcast will actually ever hear, your money may be better spent on a boring, dependable plugin that'll help you out when you inevitably get sent guest audio that is mangled in a way hitherto unknown to us. Because you know that's going to happen first. And that's it for this episode. Thanks, guys, for checking it out. Once again, I've been Riley, and uh, this has been the Podcasters Podcast. Let us know we've been thinking about switching over to a once every two weeks release schedule. But here's the big thing. We would do an episode on like, take our compression episode, for example. We do an episode on compression, and then we would also make a Reaper file that you could download from our website to check out what we're talking about. Because I know it's one thing for me to say these are all the characteristics of compression, but to maybe just play some sound files and actually play around with it in Reaper might be another thing. So we were thinking about that. Let us know what you think. Uh, my email is rileyburn at pondogy.co. Feel free to leave me a line if you're interested in something like that. And once again, if you're interested in uh, maybe coming on and discussing your podcast and we could talk about your workflow and things like that, hit me up for that as well. I would love, love, love to start expanding out what this podcast does. Anyways, until next time, guys. I don't know. Good podcasting. We don't have a tagline for the show yet. Goodbye. Goodbye.